Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Mark Burris and this is Straight Talk. Imagine being followed by an overwhelming presence of public doubt as you enter the biggest fight of your life. Really, do we see someone rise through and shut down the doubters? Absolutely shut them down on a world stage in the middle of New York City. The boxing world witnessed one of the biggest upsets last year between the then undisputed Teofimo Lopez, the American, and our very own George Cambosas Jr. for the glory of being the world champion and holding five belts in the lightweight division. Yep, a Greek Australian boy who entered that ring as the six to one underdog. No one thought he had a chance until he dropped Lopez in the first round. George won that fight because of his mindset. He won the mind games. George is a product of methodic manifestation, fueled by undeniable self-belief. Regardless of your boxing knowledge, I know that you'll be completely captivated and inspired by George's story. I know it's one that will stay with me for a long, long time. So it's time for No Bullshit with George Cambosis Jr. George, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Pleasure to be on. Well done, mate. This is, uh, and here it is sitting right here. It's pretty cool. It's pretty a cool. Beautiful piece of uh, you know, jewelry. How do you feel? Add to the family. How do you feel, uh, mate? It's a good feeling. I feel good, but the, the kind of fighter I am, I'm never content. A lot of fighters would be, I got this, I got the other four or five belts, but I'm always pushing more. I'm never content with what I've achieved. Great, great win. Beat the top guy, beat the, you know, top. Three, four pound for pound fighter in the world, thirteen to one underdog. But you know, that's, there's more to come. So that's the kind of person I am, and I'm always striving for more. So I feel good, but I know the bigger picture. But where does that come from? Like you, like uh, I mean, are you one of these dudes who's always dissatisfied with their achievements, or or you know, we, we got Jimmy over in the corner there. Your dad um, is it because dad's always pushing you, mm. or well, what is it? Well, where, where's where's this hunger? To do more and more and more and more. What is that? I think it's just uh, embedded inside me. Obviously, my father. You know, but is that as a young kid? Like a young you kid, can do yeah. better than that. Come on, let's. Because and by the way, I don't mean in a shit way. I mean in, a, in a encouraging. No, way. It's, a, it's a great way, and I just feel that I'm always striving for more. I feel that I won the belts. Beautiful, okay. But who else is there? What, what other challenges are there? What's the next big step can I take and get better and better? If I rest on my laurels and I rest on me being content then I know I'll fall over. I know that I'll lose this real quick. But if I know that I'm striving for more and more, you know, with anything I do, anything I've achieved, I won the Australian title, I won the New South Wales title, there's more to go. And again, my father, you know, he put that out there many times when I'd win a, a regional title. How good's this? But, okay, what's the, what's the big goal? Become world champion. Okay, let's get back to work. So uh, I'm always chasing more and more, and I think it's just embedded inside me. And I've got a lot of, uh, you know, people around me that are pushing me, especially my father, but uh, deep inside me, I want, I want more and more. You've got the whole of Australia pushing you now, mate. Yeah, Australia I mean, and Greece, it's fantastic. It totally, in Greece as well. Like you, and you've, and you've managed to sort of um, drive that sort of um, icon type of um, profile yeah. amongst particularly Greek Australians, um, you know, who follow you here, who absolutely adore you here in Australia, um, but also in Greece too. Um, the Greeks are identifying with because, you know, unfortunately the Greeks, we don't win too many things um, that in, in a general sense. It's mostly Greeks overseas win on behalf of Greece. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know, though, 
how much of it of your drive or your ambition to stay where you are is around fear of failure as opposed to wanting to defend your position no never i've never uh, had a fear of, of failing because if you look at the, the the fights i've taken the risks i've taken to go overseas into the backyards if i had that fear of, of failing i probably would not taken them fights i would have tried to go a different way and wait for maybe a vacant build or an opportunity where I can That's bring, true. bring a, a total shot here like so many of these Australian fighters want to fight here for their total shots. But I'm not afraid to lose. I'm not afraid to, to you know, lose that zero. But I want to keep chasing and I know that the harder challenges, the, the more risk will make me a better fighter, will bring out the best out of me. In the Lopez fight, it's evident, the hardest challenge for any lightweight coming up against a guy like that. Totally. The guy that just beat Lomachenko. But I knew that and people thought I was crazy when I said I'm going to be better than him in everything I do. But I knew that he would bring the best out of me. But the crazy thing is, where well, I say I'm never content, is that was only 15, 20%. I know there's more to be done. I know that there were certain things in that fight that I could have done that I didn't execute properly. So I just keep getting better and better, and there is never, ever, ever a fear of failure. Have you gone back and looked, watched the fight? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. I'm waiting to, uh, I mean, you, to you get did the whole it. family. Uh, I remember it pretty well in my yeah. brain now. I've seen bits and pieces of the highlights, but from start to finish, not yet. I'm going to get my whole family together, my friends, and uh, just do a watch party. Just want to feel that moment again where I take myself away from, from the actual fight and just enjoy it with, with the people close to me. I mean, two highlights in it for me were obviously round one, yeah. that, that, uh, the big overhand right. I mean, that's, I, mean I, I actually know your coach, Mick, one of your coaches, Mick Ackaway. And uh, I've seen Bilal do throw that punch, and I've, I remember Mick throwing that punch. Mm. That that that's a big punch. That and uh, I remember that, and then I remember I think it was a tenth when you when yeah, you got I whacked got down. Yeah, and uh, they're too big. I mean, you obviously don't have to rewatch the fight to remember those, but just that's sort of going from the top, from the um, from the penthouse to the the lowest level. In a in a pretty short period because they're only three minute rounds. Yeah. How did you deal with that in your own mind? I'm on top now. Fuck, he's put me down. How do you deal with that? I mean, how do you get up and and just keep going? Because then you come won the next two rounds mm. too. Yeah, I always I knew I was going to catch him early. I've been saying it when the fight got made. I'm going to catch him early. I know that he's reckless. You know, I studied his so many of his fights. I sit there by myself in a room just studying his fights and notepadding everything, and I could see the moves. And when we got in the ring, I knew exactly what he was doing. But I'd always had a beautiful right hand, beautiful uh, sweet shot that I throw perfect. So uh, we just worked on that shot, and uh, it executed in round one. And I set that shot up. I made the movements, and I let it go. But to be winning the fight and picking him apart all the way to about, I say, round 10, round nine, I still edged the fight, the round. Round 10, I lost the control. I lost my composure, and I made the mistake where I look back and say, okay, I know the reason why I got put down. That's not going to happen again where you learn from these things, but it's part of the story, part of the adversity, part of what I had to go through to get to that fight. The loss of my grandfather, the birth of my child on the same day, the countless days of uh, uh, countless postponements, the so many contracts being signed, the original 2.1 dropping down to 1.3. I went through everything in that fight, but I never lost my focus. I never lost my, my hunger and I was never broken throughout that whole period. So I know that if in the fight I did get put down, in which I did in round 10, I wouldn't be broken at that moment. I'd get up, which I did. I'd shake it off, finish the round. And I remember when I did finish that round strong, come back into the corner and uh, I was smiling. My lead coach, Javier Centeno, was, what are you laughing? What are you smiling for? You know, I made the mistake. Watch this now. Watch me punish him. And I did. Round 11 and 12, absolutely uh, battered him and closed the show in his hometown. That's what a beautiful. story. I mean, like, I'll be honest, I was, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, I, mm. I was going mental, okay? I mean, I was just, I, I couldn't believe, I'm like, oh, my God. And then, then he got, he clutched you on the 10th and I'm like, oh, no. But then you came back. And went, I, could, I just yeah. couldn't believe, like, it was, it was incredibly unbelievable. I don't want to get, you know, too sort of technical, to be honest with you, but, like, what no one's given you credit for is that sweet left hook you have. Yeah. I mean, you were setting those rights, but just – he, you weren't you weren't missing him those lead jabs and hooks. Yeah, the, 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 that, no one gives you cool credit for that. I'm a very very good boxer, great boxer. Where people think I'm just a brawler, come forward. I don't know where this stereotype has come from, but 
I box beautifully on the back foot, on the front foot, create the angles. I throw punches in bunches. My stamina, my conditioning is, is elite. And uh, the jab, the left hook that I was catching with, the oh, body work. Beautiful. That, if you look at the inside body work, even when we tie it up, where I'd hold him in a position, I'd throw two shots to the rib and then shoot one in the hip. I was getting away with it. That's the, the, the kind of fighter you got to be. You got to use every bit of yourself and, and whatever you can get away with in a fight to win the fight. I remember having him in a headlock and I'm pulling as tight as I can, you know, and I'm using my gloves to kind of scratch his face. Whatever I can do to win a fight, it's a fight. To get these belts in my hands and to bring them back to Australia, I was prepared to die in that ring. And I've said it before, I said it to my wife before I left to the arena when I was looking over Madison Square Garden from my hotel. I was just manifesting myself winning this fight. And so I'm prepared to die tonight. If anything happens and everything's for the kids, make sure you, every cent that I'm owed goes to my family and my kids. But I'm uh, willing to, to die. And I showed it in that ring. I was taking shots. I walked through them, got put down in round 10, had the cut, the adversity, but I kept rising. And that's what I've been doing my whole career. I've been doubted so many times. I've been underdog so many times, but I just keep rising and keep pushing forward. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting thing you just said about uh, I'm willing to die. I mean, that, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice. And the sacrifice has costs. I mean, you've got three wonderful kids, um, one of which is a, a more recent addition, um, and uh, you've got a wonderful wife, you've got your dad and, and your extended family, et cetera, and friends. What do they think about that when you say, I'm willing to die? What does your missus say? Like she said, hang on a minute. Like, <laughs> what are we, we going to get on? It's, it's, it's hard for her. It's very hard for, yeah. for everybody. But, you know, the way I prepare, I'm a warrior. And a warrior to die on the battlefield is, is a noble thing. It's, it's honor. So I'm not worried for any of that in the ring. God willing, it never, we don't even talk about that. But um, that's how focused I am. That's how hungry I am. That's the kind of fighter I am that I'm willing to lay it all in the ring to get what's mine. And that's what ultimately won me the fight. I just was, was a dog in that fight. I wanted it more. And again, now that I've got all the belts, I want to hold on to these more than what these fighters want to, want to take them off me. And I'm willing to do whatever what it takes in the ring, in the gym, on the road, the early mornings, the late nights, nothing changes. And um, like I put out when I was doing a run in the rain a couple of days ago, I said it doesn't matter if it's no belts or five belts. It doesn't matter if it's $1 or $100 million. My relentless drive and my mentality, my war mentality, never changes. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I follow you on Instagram, and I've been, I was following you before you had the belts, and I was yeah. watching your training regime, and and often I, I just think myself, my God, this guy is completely committed. And you just said you're a dog in the fight on the night, but I think it probably extends way beyond that. Yeah. Before that, I think you were a dog, dogged. Um, in your training regime, and as you said, you went through all the other, all the iterations of you know Triller, everything, all that crap, all that stuff that went on, and all the doubters. You know, I, I'm a subscriber to Zone. I watched them two guys on Zone, you know, talking about before the fight. You know, Kenny beat Lopez, blah, blah, all that stuff. Um, but you just kept at it, and at it, and at it, and I, I don't know. To me, it's a lonely life as a boxer. Mm -hmm. Where. I mean, who is it you talk to or is it just George himself dealing with it all himself, getting up? I know you've got people who help you get up and all sorts of stuff, maybe make a meal for you, whatever, give you a rub down, that type of stuff. But you're still the dude doing it. You're still the dude who's going to have to go for a run in the rain at you know 5.30 in the morning in another country, freezing cold, could be whatever, away from your family, yeah. not seeing your kids. Um, and as you said, your grandfather passed away, who you're close to. Where does that um, strength come from, that mental strength come from? Because I think that's what beat Lopez. Mm. Lopez is a bloody skill fighter. Don't, yeah. Let's not get it wrong, okay? You're both really skill fighters. And you know as well as anybody, it can be just that one punch. Let's, just, let's say for a minute you're pretty equally skilled, let's say, okay? Different styles, but let's say. I think it was George's mindset that won the fight. Yeah. I saw your eyes. Like, not in the interviews, but when you came up, you know, when they announced you on the night, I thought, he's going to win. That's what, you could see it. You where could are you see getting that, from, George? The tunnel vision that I had, and like you touch on, it's a lonely sport. I was in America by myself for, for four months. Obviously, then my father came over for that final bit of the preparation, but 
away from my kids, my family. And all of a sudden, he got COVID. Fight down the drain. What are we doing? When's the fight? Who knows? Okay, let's go back home. Do two weeks in quarantine. I had actually flown my wife the week before the, the original date to be there. She was pregnant. And the, doc- the doctors told her not to be there because of a risk with COVID and flying all that way. So we come back, we do the quarantine together. We're away from our two other kids. You know, I get out of quarantine. My kids are, they, they don't recognize me anymore. They, they think, is that dad? They don't know because I've been away for so long. It takes about a week and a half for me to, uh, to realize, you know, uh, who, uh, what to do with the kids and you know, that to, to uh, get back into the routine. But, um, you know, I just got that relentless drive. And when I walked out into that ring, I just kept that relentless drive. My eyes were so zoned in, I was so focused, and nothing was going to take that, that victory away from me. No matter, someone could have thrown a bottle at my head. My vision, my focus was still going to be the same. Still going to keep that tunnel vision. And, you know, that just comes from, from that belief in myself, that, that hunger that I have. But as well, my, my father, who I talk to, my father, my wife, they're the two people that really get to see the, the inside of Cambosis of who I am away from the ring what I've got to deal with, you know, the pressure of being a, a fighter. Really deep down, it is me that's got to get up and, and totally. do the work. Well, I mean, well, let's talk about fathers and, and fighters. Every great fighter that I've ever followed, and I've been a student of that for a long time, has had a father figure at least, who might not have been in their dad, might have, but was a father figure, who figured heavily in their success, heavily. And, you know, you know all the great fighters and you probably, you're a student of boxing yourself. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But it can go either way. Uh, Lopez is old man. Total nutcase. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Like, and yeah. fucked it up for him. Yeah. To a large extent, not to a large extent, but to some extent is part of. He's down for. Yeah. Whereas what's the difference? What's Jimmy bring that's different? But how, and how does it work? Do you have to manage? yourselves do you have to manage yourselves or is jimmy like you know like you're both adults and grown ups give and take or do you know each other so well that um where to stop and start you know i think it's a bit of everything where you just touched on give or take know each other so well and are both as focused and hungry on the mission together no ego though. no ego yeah we will make the, the decision together you know, ultimately when uh, Trilla was, was playing games and that 2.1, we were getting other people saying, nah, just, just accept it. Just go with the flow. If it's there, it's there. If the money's not there, so be it. Now, me and my father, and mainly my father said, no, this is how it's got to be done. Now, we need to fight. We're not here for the money. We're here for, for the fight and for the legacy. And we both agreed and we stood our feet down and said, nah, we are ready to uh, make these guys default. Get rid of them. And let's move on to this fight. So we always make decisions together. We talk even in the car on the way here. We're talking about certain things about the next fight and uh, how we're going to get things done. And uh, that's, that's the kind of relationship we have. It's never a, a force, never pushing. If he has to push me to get up and train, if he has to push me to, to do, defend these belts, you know, because I don't want to or I don't want to train, then I might as well get out of the sport straight away. But we're both pushing on, the, on that mission. And, you know, we won the belts. We, we, we achieved to a certain extent. But again, my hunger and his hunger and, his, and our focus and drive passes what we just did. We want more and more together. It's, it's, um, I, what do you think that old man Lopez did wrong? He's, the whole world saw it. He's uh, very uh, frantic, you know, temper. But I studied the, the, the Sun Tzu, the art of war, mm. and I knew that both of them are very frantic. So if I irritate them, continually irritate them, that they'll lose their mind and the temper would be all over the shop. As soon as you become angry and this becomes, you know, not a business. And as I've done the press conference, you could see it, I was just like a businessman. Mm. I said, I'm here for business. There is, this is not personal for me. And that's how I went to that ring. As much as I'm coming to take his head off, this is a business, this is a job for me. And uh, I'm just here to win these belts and collect the check and, and go home. They were coming personal. And that's what I did a long time before we ever stepped inside them ropes. I continually... Stabbed him bit by bit, both of them. By the time we got to the arena and to the to fight, the kid's head was so cloudy because of his father. Continually just, you got to knock him out. You got to do this. You, you, you can't let this guy disrespect you. 
it feels exactly into the way we, we planned. We set that up many months ago. Many years ago, I went to Luna Park and I watched a young George Cambosis. Mm. And I went there with all my sons um, and uh, we used to love him back then. Um, and uh, George was slightly different to what he is today. I mean, I look at today, as I said to you before, I think the last time I saw you, like in person, was just before the Selby fight. Selby fight, yeah. Um, but but that, those fights back in Luna Park, they're going probably back. Oh, eight, 2016. Uh, yeah, yeah, seven yeah. years, six yeah. years. Um, and you have really matured. To, you don't seem to have a sense of anger in you. You're not an angry sort of person to me. No, I was more reckless back then. Yeah. I don't know. You'd be crazy that night. A lot crazy. Uh, I would say things that- Great uh, to watch though, by yeah, the way. I was, even this fighting style, it was like uh, beautiful boxing, but you could see that still a bit reckless. Yeah. Still a little bit crazy. It wasn't fine-tuned. Now I'm fine-tuned. I'm a fine-tuned, undisputed champion of the world. And the way I present myself, cool, calm, collected. And yeah. I'm in a great position. That, How come now? I mean, is it because you had some kids or you just think you've grown up or were yeah. you just more confident? You know where you are at or who you are? I mean, why, a bit why? of everything. Obviously, the kids are a big factor. I'm a, I'm a father. My priorities changed from when I fought Ogilvy. It was about myself. I need to win for me. When you have your kids, it's a whole different level. I need to win for them. I don't care what happens to me inside the ropes, as long as they're they're good, as long as they're healthy and they're safe and they have money to to live and be and be, you know, not never struggle. So your mindset changes. You get wiser as you get older. And I'm in a good position. I got all the belts, and you know, even before the fight, I'm fighting for all the belts. I knew that I was going to win this fight. I was in a great position, you know. So I continued my my, my cool, calm, collective you know view that I've always had. What I need to be angry for, what I need to, you know, lose any more energy when I'm going to put all my energy into the, into the fight and into the gym. So anger is never a part of, of what I do. Maybe many years ago, I had that little bit of anger, but now I'm, I'm too wise, I'm too smart, I'm too, uh, too sharp for any of that. George, I know, you, I know you're a student of boxing, and obviously to be a student of boxing, that means you've got to be a student of your opponent. So you worked out Lopez, you worked out his old man. As you said, you scratched away in him and you got him into his into a zone where exactly where you wanted him. You're also a student of the Spartan way of life. Um, and I don't mean in a sense where you deny yourself things, but their mindset, you've got a tattoo across your back. Yep. How is it that someone like you can live that life and, I, and that life that you, that mindset in your life that you tattoo across your back? and take that into the ring as well, and to take it to everyday training. And why do you do that? It's extremely important because you know, that's where my family's from. That's where my heritage, you know, the bloodlines is there. I have it on my back. The world knows when they, they talk about Cambosis, a Spartan warrior. You even had Lopez, you know, trying to attack that, my heritage. Ah, let's see what kind of Spartan warrior he is. I'm, I'm a you know, Latino warrior. Okay. So... For me to be fighting on the world scene and to have a, a young 10-year-old Greek kid that knows about the Spartans but sees this elite fighter, this world champion, tattooed on his back, presents himself as a Spartan warrior, that there is the honour that I want to give to, to my heritage to make that young kid believe, you know, I can live that same lifestyle and be, be great and do something well in my life. So, you know, the Spartan life and the Spartan mindset you know, is relentless. They will put everything into it at 110%. They will sacrifice and have the, the discipline and dedication of a warrior to achieve and to not let you know, anyone take anything from them and defend them, their land, defend themselves. So that's what I take into my training, into my everyday life, into the mentality I have as a fighter, as a person. And uh, I present that in the ring as well. You know, when I'm bleeding, when I'm put down on the ground, I said, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. The fight's still here. My heart's still beating. I'll continue doing what I have to do to win the fight. And that's that Spartan worry inside me. Can you actually think that once you've just got clocked and you're in the 10th round, you've been going for 10 rounds, yep. fighting someone who was considered to be the, you know, one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters around, but then you, you get hit. And to me, actually, you're going backwards when you, when you got hit. Like, it wasn't a clean hit. I didn't see it as a no. clean hit. It, it, you sort of took yourself down a little bit, um, to be honest with you, moving with it. It doesn't matter. Could you articulate that in your own mind? I'm a Spartan warrior. I'm a warrior. I'm here to do business. 
and I'm going to go back and I'm going to take it to him in the next two rounds. Yeah, I did. A few things went into my mind because it happened so fast. The first thing was my grandfather. I felt like he lifted me up. You know, I knew he was in that ring with me inside them ropes. My kids, my family, I know they're watching back home. My wife's there. My dad's in the corner. The whole family back home is, is there on the edge of their seat. See that. Okay, get up. Finish this fight. And obviously being a Spartan, it's on my back. There's a photo I posted a couple weeks ago where the Spartan warrior and all the blood, my blood, Lopez's blood, it's, it's brutal, but I love it. I live for that, that life. So that there. But also to be great for my legacy, I knew that, okay, this is part of the journey. This is part of the story. This is just made this fight even better. I put him down. I'm winning the fight. He put me down. Get up. Show you how great you are now. And that's what I did. I think that out of all of them, the biggest thing was in my head, show how great you are now. Become great. This is how you become great. I could have just kept winning the fight and, and boxing, you know, won the fight easily on points and not got caught in that round 10. But getting caught in round 10 actually made the story even better. And it made me happy that I did get caught because it was the first time. So I've learned from that lesson too. But also, I got to show how great I am, how I, I come back from adversity in, in, that, in that position. I, uh, to me, that was the thing that I was most proud of as an Australian was actually seeing you win 11 and 12. I mean, it was great to see you knock him down the first round. That was great. But what I love the most is the fact that you came back in harder and you, learnt, you, you went back to boxing. Mm. A lot of fighters at that position, especially an Aussie coming over with 13 to 1 underdog, should have never won, shouldn't even be in that position in his hometown against a pound for pound top guy in the world, guy in his prime, guy that just outclassed Lomachenko, knocking everyone out. A lot of fighters will say, you know what? I've done my best. He got me. I can't get up. I'm not going to get up. But me in that position, all right, now I want to show how great I am. And, you know, that's, that's the Australian way, the Greek way. Knock me down a hundred times, I'm going to still get up. My heart's beating, I'm still get up. And that's what I want to show, not only myself, but the whole world, what we are. And at the end of the fight, I had them flags with me, my two flags, two nations on my shoulders. And um, to, to hear them words, you now after that whole adversity, yeah, and the new, it was, a, it was a great moment. Well, you, and you kept saying that in all your posts. I did. And the new, dot, 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 and the new. <laughs> this is before the, before the fight. It, just about every time you put up a post, and you wrote, and the new, dot, dot, dot. And uh, it was like you were getting into your own head, yeah. continually repeating it to yourself. And actually, to, for, uh, for a period of time there, it, it started to get into my head, mm. you know, because I, I was thinking, this guy actually believes he's going to do it. And but not not I'm not thinking about whether George got the skill to do it, but I'm thinking George believes he's going he's to going do it. it. Yeah. And he's just writing it, writing it, writing it, writing it, and continue to doing it, continue doing it. And you got to the point where you are doing it. Now what happens? Because you get to you reach this great position and the next thing it wants, everybody wants to take you down. Everybody. They all want what you're got. They want the silverware. But they more importantly, they don't they not only want the silverware, they're not looking for the money now, they're looking to take you down. Yeah. So how do you build a mindset around that? I'm very stubborn. <laughs> you ask my wife, she, she'll hate my stubbornness, but I've worked so hard. Ten years it took for me from when I turned professional to get these belts. Ten whole years of fighting for free, fighting and losing money, being overseas and having fights get postponed or you know, off. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my bank account and I've got to pay another six weeks because the fight's been moved. Six weeks later, I'm going to pay for that rent. I'm looking at my wife's there and my, my, my daughter's there at that stage. My other sons haven't been born yet. Hey, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? But I just kept chipping away. So all that, I know what it's taken to get here. Crazy enough, I'm hungrier now. I'm more motivated now. So I know that what I have, you know, I'm the one that's been hunted now. I've gone from the hunter to the one being hunted, but I love it. I embrace it. And... um you know, for them to come and try to take something off me, I use that, that the phrase the Spartan Warriors would say, Malon Laver, if you want to come and get it, be prepared to, uh, to cop what, you, what you're going to cop with uh, trying to take this off the, uh, the emperor. And I, don't, I think most people don't realise too, by the way, you said something very interesting, um, what it takes to get that. Yeah. And you know, you, if you go back to when you first started doing your pro fights, um, you might have been on a pro-am night somewhere around the joint. It wouldn't have been anywhere flash. 
and a lot of times you have to pay you have to pay for a table. Mm. Yeah, you have to you have to give money to the promoter to put you on the night just to get a fight for the night. In fact, you lose money. You don't make money. It is. You, we've we really had to um to hustle every bit of the way. You know, like I've said, I don't have a famous name. I don't have a, a famous promoter behind me straight away. I didn't have uh, coming out of the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games. Just me and my father with a focus and a dream that, you know what, we can achieve something in this sport. If we put everything into it, we'll achieve it. And what I did was we had the first few fights. Some of the fights we had to pay for it. Got some good local sponsorships, some great businesses to get behind us. A couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. And we put it in, 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 a ta- in, a, in a pool where it's okay, we'll use this for the opponent. This will help you get through your camp. And we just kept building it. But the big thing I did was I pushed my social media. I'd put my videos out. I'd show myself, show my speed, show my power. And more people started to talk about it. You've seen that young kid, that fighter. He's 2-0, and he's 3-0. and He just won the state title. So I started to attract a little bit more because I know the Australian circuit is not how good of a fighter you are, but how good you can sell. Mm. How many tables can the kid sell? The kid could be the best fighter this country's ever produced, but he can't sell one table. He can't sell 10 tickets. And he's not going to get a shot. And that's what I want to change. I want to change it with my company, Fresh Promotions. I know the game inside out, that I want to sit here and, and let promoters rip these fighters off, these young kids that won't have a chance, that won't be able to get there, even with the talent. So that's all we had to do. We built that. We sold our tables. We sold our tickets. We'd get the commission. And uh, from there, we just uh, kept building step by step. Australian titles, regional titles, top 15 ratings. Cleaned out everyone in Australia. Went overseas. Risk a lot to go overseas. You know, so many uh, promoters here, so many people, so many experts said, you're crazy. They laughed at us. I said, you're not going to make it. You get eaten alive. But um, we just kept chipping away. We got to the, uh, the ultimate prize. You've had a lot of sparring training with Manny Pacquiao. Um, yeah. Because you know, a lot of people say, well, he's fighting Lopez. Lopez over there in America. He's training with blah, blah, blah. He's at this gym. He's at that gym. He's got this trainer. He's got these sparring partners. Yeah, but you train with Manny Pacquiao for a long time. I did. A long time. Yeah. It, it gives me that confidence where I know I've done 250 rounds with a guy like that, three world title campaigns. Every day I'm with him. I'm preparing with him. I'm seeing what the 1% thinks he's doing, which helps my preparation, my camps. But ultimately, being inside them ropes, feeling his shots, throwing my own shots, landing on a great like this. I said, well, if I'm doing this against Manny Pacquiao, an all-time great living legend, what are these lightweights going to do to me? What's Lopez going to do to me? Yeah. What's... Uh, Alomachenko or Devin Haney or Javante Davis going to do to me. So I have that belief, that confidence. And it does come from the sparring with Manny Pacquiao, the sparring I've done with these, these tough Americans, these Jose Ramirez, these Ray Beltrans, these Sergei Lipinets, guys that you know, are just brutal and tough fighters, different from the Australian scene. The Australian scene is you want to make it, you got to go overseas. As hard as... It, it, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Might be easy here. You're getting some money here. You're, you're fooling the crowds. You're comfortable. But to get to the top, yeah. you can't be in your, you, you got to be uncomfortable. You got to be in a place where it's got to be hard. And that builds character. That builds that confidence inside me. And I've always believed that the harder road I had, the more character it would build me as a fighter. And that character, building, building as a fighter, will build that confidence. And when I did get to that position where coming up against you know, the best guy in the division, one of the best guys in boxing, I'd be ready. And I knew that my confidence and, and everything I brought to the table would beat him. And it did.
Because you get, I mean, that's interesting because you can sort of say to yourself, hang on, I've done 250 rounds with, you know, one of the greatest fighters of all time, a weight or two division, yeah. one or two division, yeah. weight higher, bigger, stronger. Um, what can this guy do to me that Manny Pacquiao couldn't do? That's right. And it's not as if Manny Pacquiao be holding back. I mean, oh, no, we, we, he'd be ripping in. Hell and leather. Me yeah, and him. T- totally. And I tell you, we had all the, uh, his Filipino friends and, and all the fans that come into the gym and try to just see the sparring. They knew as they learned Cambosis, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Cambosis, sparring today, sparring day. We need to see this sparring. We want to watch because we're hearing about what's going on. And I tell you, it was uh, hell and leather. And he did put out a great tweet. I saw that. After the fight, he was so proud. He, he said, I hope the sparring we did you know, shaped you to, to, uh, to win these belts and, and helped you in that fight. It did. It really did. And uh, now he's a good man. I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him. And who knows? He might be president in the next uh, year or so. I That's hope what he he's is. pushing for. I hope he is. So, George, where to from here now? Like, um, I mean, I, I'd be great for you to um, tell me you're going to fight Haney or whatever, but uh, it looks like Haney to me. But um, Matchroom, you've got to do a deal with these dudes. Um, that's who you did your last deal with. Um, but you're independent of Matchroom. Um, you're not yeah. one of Matchroom's no, fighters. I'm not one of their fighters. So um, you need you and you know Jimmy need to do a deal. If you were fighting, say Haney, um, and I watched Haney's last fight. Um, he loves going backwards, um, and uh, to be honest, I think Haney suits you perfectly. Yeah. Um, it, and he doesn't seem to punch very hard. That's just my feeling. Um, no, I, I want to be a smart ass, I have but the I, same feeling. Uh, he doesn't punch very hard. He can't crack an egg. No, no, <laughs> totally. Um, but he's got plenty to say. Um, and uh, I can, and his old man's a bit of a punish too. Yeah. So I can sort of see a, a like a semi repeat, like um, but just explain what the process is behind the scenes. Is is you know a lot is is it's where intense. It it's intense now. A lot of these guys they put a front. They want to uh, manipulate their fans. They want to manipulate the, the public. But behind the scenes, they're playing such hardball. They're playing games. Do they really want the fight? After what, what I just did to Lopez, maybe not. So I want the best guys. I want the guys that are the biggest names in boxing. I just, just took out the best guy in Lopez to become now the emperor myself. So I want Haney. I want Lomachenko. I want Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia. I want these guys. Oh, I love to see but you Ryan Garcia. The, 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 thing is, the thing is, they've got to come here now. I hold all the jewels. i got everything in boxing. So the game's changed, and these Americans don't like when the ball's not in their court and they have to do it the hard way. They've got to go through what I've had to go through for so many years. So really it's up to how much do they want it, how bad do they want it. Now with the promoter-wise, you got Eddie Hearn, you got Bob Arum. They've both got different broadcasting TVs, rights. Okay, so what's the best offer coming my way? What deal am I getting from the pay-per-view here in Australia? So there are a lot of factors going into the fight because ultimately I'm bringing everything to the table. I don't have to fight one of these guys. I could fight anyone I choose. But I'm trying to do a service to boxing and give the best fights possible. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Can you now. make it a mandatory though? Can you, can, can you sort of say to someone, you must fight me? No, or- the only mandatory that will pop up, I believe, is Lomachenko, but I have nine months. So I just won all the belts. So... Really, my next fight, I can do what I want, but I'm chasing the best name, the biggest name possible. So I'm hoping that it gets all across the line to give a great fight to Australia, and I believe it will. And uh, we're going to do a stadium fight here in Australia, Sydney or Melbourne. It's going to be a, a monster show, a mega fight, biggest fight in Australian history. And I'm excited because I haven't had that for a long time. I haven't been able to walk out in front of my, my hometown. And the last time I fought in Sydney was, yeah, was the Ogilvy fight. No, I think yeah, that, was, that was Canberra. No, no, no. no. Well, I saw you in Canberra, but you didn't park. fight down there. No, yeah, you're in a park. Really? Last time I fought no. in Sydney. Last time I fought in Melbourne was a year after. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, so it's been a long time. You now to come back after five, six years with all the belts, you know, the fans are going crazy. I know the Greeks in Melbourne are going nuts. The Greeks here are going nuts. The Australians are all behind me, supporting me. So it's going to be huge. And not only I got all these belts and all the jewels in boxing, but I bring the whole crowd. We've got a whole continent behind me, not just a small fan base. We've got two whole nations behind me, plus everyone else. So, you know, we hold a lot 
in uh, when it comes to negotiations and making the biggest fights possible. And who does that though? Like, is that Jimmy or do you have a team? Do you have an accountant or a lawyer? I mean, how does it work? What sits behind the Cambosis team to make this happen? Yep. Um, look, me and my father uh, are, are the main core. If we don't agree, then there's no chance. You know, it's, it's going to end up happening. So we have to agree. We have to be happy with everything in place. I got, because uh, my father is my co-manager here in Australia. I've got my co-manager in America, Peter Khan. I also have my promoter, Lou DeBella, who, you know, he's, he's in, a, in a position where, you know, he's got the undisputed champion at the moment. So he's got to have the right things come to the table for me as well. I've got my lawyer, who's the only lawyer in the world that's got two undisputed champions, myself and Canelo Alvarez. And um, that's the core team. Now that, that small team is, is, is very important. I've got my accountant, Spiro Makopoulos, who does all my you know, uh, numbers and make sure things are done right there as well. So it's a small team, but um, it's, it's like a any good business. Team. So it sounds like it sounds like a feeding business. Yeah, it's a business team. Yeah. It, it's a team where we're going to make the right decision, and we're not going to get sucked into or drawn into you know, a silly move. I've had to do it the hard way. I've had to earn it the hard way. So every move is, is calculated, and again, the cool, calm, calculated. You know, not only fighter but team is what we have in place. So, so when someone like you become you know, the emperor of your division. Yeah. And which I think is probably a fair summation. With emperorship comes leadership. As a leader, to put boxing aside, put George Cambosis as a boxer aside, but as a leader, George Cambosis is a leader. Um, and you mentioned something before about like a 10-year-old Greek boy or a 10-year-old Aussie boy or whoever, someone who has aspirations or is inspired by you. What do you see your leadership role in Australia as? I want to show that anything's possible against all odds. Anything is possible if you really believe and you stay committed and focused and disciplined to whatever you're trying to achieve. That doesn't have to be boxing. You could be a businessman. You could be trying to do something in business. It could be a 10-year-old kid or a 50-year-old man who's trying to achieve something. I've got such a big fan base that I get messages constantly every day. You uh, motivate me. You inspire me. I went for a run this morning. I'm working harder. I'm working longer hours trying to do something in my business. And that's what I want to push, show that against all odds, you can achieve it as well. That's the most important thing because that really hasn't been my story. I've been doubted so many times. I'm sure you've been doubted many times, but you don't listen to them. You keep pushing your course. You keep your tunnel vision and you make it happen. And when you get there and you look yourself in the mirror, it's a lot sweeter. So uh, I'm sure... Someone listening today is going to push that mindset as well and say, you know, I can do it. I can achieve it. And in 10 years' time, maybe 20 years' time, they're going to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I did it. I achieved it the right way. Because I always had these big dreams in my head as a young kid. I could see myself doing something great. I was overweight. I could see myself being young and a fit kid. I could see myself winning the school races. So Is that because you didn't win? That's right. I, I, I would you come last. To, you dreamt about winning. I dreamt of winning. So I started to manifest it. So a, a young kid out there, you know, has the dreams, but they don't know how to put it in the right position, position. They don't know how to put that energy and that manifestation, the visualization into the right lane and the right, uh, you know, tunnel vision. So I would uh, help a young kid get in the right position to be able to start doing whatever they want to do because that's where it all started for me. And having that vision, seeing it, manifesting it, and slowly chipping away bit by bit and I knew that this is a long game. Things don't happen overnight. And again, I'm sitting there before I go to fight the biggest fight of my life at my hotel and i am got the great view of Madison Square Garden. I'm just sitting there and I'm just manifesting. I'm seeing it. Exactly the way it happened, I saw it. I said to myself, I'm gonna be, my dad's going to lift me up. My belts are going to be coming on me and uh, shock the whole world. Exactly the way I saw it, it happened. And it's been happening for, for so many years. You've got to see it before you actually make it a rea- reality. Uh, I'm really curious that young young man that you described, um, was that George, young George, um, like as a result of just having no discipline, like eating too much ERs, like a lactobutico or whatever the case may be? I mean, what was it? Why were you, a, why were you an overweight little kid? What was that? I mean, and then why, and what made you change your mind? Were you looking at other kids doing the 1500 and you couldn't do yeah. it, run a 1500? You thought, stuff that on one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do gonna that. I'm going to get it, yeah. I think, yeah, young Greek kid. Yeah, yeah. You got it, yeah, yeah. And 
she's feeding you with everything and eat, fight, eat, fight, eat, fight, fight, fight. Today, even today I go there and no, nah, eat, eat, you gotta eat. You had the fight, you won. Eat. <laughs> I know what I gotta eat. <laughs> so you stack on the weight. And um when you put on the weight, you 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 can see it. Physically you can see it. So kids will bully you. Yeah. You're gonna come last. You're not gonna be picked first when you're you're picking school teams. And that's oh, what I was having to remember me. that. I'm always last. I remember that. And I know in my head that maybe it's 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 embedded in my head now where if I don't do the right thing, even though I have all these belts, I could end up back there. I could be back to how I felt back then. So that's where, you know, as a young kid, I felt that. I wanted to break away from that and do better and become better and achieve something that, that I set out to be. I think that's where that motivation started to come from. And as you start to succeed and, and you see the results, I feel that you get hungrier. I've always felt that every win, every success, every goal that I achieved, I've become even hungrier because I've got more to lose. And that's the same with this now. I'm hungrier that, than ever because I feel I've got more to lose, even though I'm never afraid of losing and risking it. I know how much hard work I'm going to put in to make sure I hold on to everything I have right now. That's very interesting. Many, many years ago, um, not many years ago, it was probably 10 years ago, but I, I was playing golf with Jerry Harvey. He's got a boy called John. I had a boy, I got a boy called Nick, and um, same age, so about 12. And Jerry invite, said, Well, come, I'd taken him. We, we went out for dinner the night before, and he said, I'll pay, play, pay for golf tomorrow. That's the next day. So we, we turn up with the kids, and, um, and Jerry, had, I didn't have any golf gear with me, so Jerry gave me some golf balls, but the golf balls are shit golf balls. And I found out how he gave me his bag of golf balls. He'd found them in the bush. And every time we had hit the ball, if the, one of the boys hit the ball and went into the bush, Jerry would stop the game and make, make the boys go into the bush and find not only the golf ball we lost but other golf balls. Yeah. And he's a guy's a billionaire, right? And I said to him, mate, and we, he only hired one cart and he's made the boys walk and he and I you know, drove. And this is up in Queensland. And he goes, and I said to him, mate, why are you, you know, what are you doing, dude? Like, uh, you're a billionaire. What are you worried about that sort of stuff for? He said, Mark, I am a billionaire. I worked really hard to get there. He said, but in the back of my mind, I always think that I don't deserve it and that one day someone's going to try and take it away from me. Mm. And therefore, I'm not going to become the big spender. I'm not going to get carried away with who I am and what I am. And I'm going to keep doing all the little things that I've always done for the rest of my life. And I thought that was an amazing admission from a person like him. Mm. And to be frank with you, you know, I come from the West Suburbs. I'm that way. I'm, I never really reflected on myself, but I am that way. I'm yep. always worried someone's going to try and take it away from me. I'm always, I always think to myself I didn't really deserve it. I mean, I know I work hard for what I got, but I think I know lots of people work hard. <laughs> they don't get what I get. Yep. So I'm always looking at the little things and I continue to do the little things the best I possibly can, and I'm never stupid with what I with my money, what I spend on, what time I spend on things, etc. Is that maybe a fair summary for you today? Being at the pinnacle where you are, you're never going to forget the small things and, and where you come from, and what got you there in the first place. Yeah, hundred percent. My my hard work, my discipline, my sacrifice got me there. So they're the core things that I keep my feet on the ground. I stay focused. I stay humble, and uh, you know, I remember how I got there. The road that I had to go through, the 10 years of the hard work in the pro game, let alone all my amateur, you know, hard work and years, blood, sweat and tears to, to, to get here. No, I remain focused no matter what. After the biggest win of, of my life, winning all these belts, any other fight would be out partying, drinking, celebrating. Would have come back to, to Australia and had a big party and celebration. I stayed in America for two, two more weeks and I'd done a media tour. I went everywhere. I'd done every fight, big fights, commentary, uh, interviews, basketball. basketball. I, I went that. and knocked out the, uh, the Miami Heat uh, mascot. I ended up on Joe Rogan. So that there is discipline and, and, and sacrifice again because the, the, the most important thing I want to do is go home and show my kids the belts and be with my kids. And I had my wife with me, my father with me. So we all sacrifice because we knew that this will make my name even bigger. I'll become a bigger star and we've got to do this. And that's... Again, you've had your biggest win of your life, but still on that, that grind and that hustle and still not forgetting what it took me to get here. And even though I'm here now, I'm not going to forget where I need to be and what I need to keep doing to continue achieving, continue holding on to, to uh, these belts. So again, it's a similar story. You never lose focus of, of what got you there and staying grounded and uh, keeping your feet on the ground. 
you know, continue achieving. Irrespective too, by the way, of the temptations that get put in front of you and people say, well, stop being so miserable. You know, they th- you think you're being miserable because you're not out there dancing around celebrating, sticking cocaine up your nose mm. or getting drunk at uh, wherever and doing stupid shit. Um, they think you're being a miserable bastard, like as opposed to, no, 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 Jerry's not miserable. Jerry Harvey's not miserable. He's grounded. Yeah. And that's what keeps him where he is, even at his age today. Jerry's still doing ads mm. on ra- radio. He doesn't see it as being beyond him it's, or it's, below it's him. It's the legacy. It's, it's, I think, you know, the way I look at it is my legacy and what I'm trying to achieve and trying to leave something big, you know, for, for the world to remember. I got the belts. The money's coming in now. But that doesn't really make me extremely happy. What makes me happy is knowing my name is, is etched in history and what more legacy I can create. That's what really excites me. So that's where the, the, the humbleness comes from and, and keeping your feet on the ground is having that vision and never losing sight of it. Can I just hit you with a couple of quick questions? Yeah. Greatest fight of all time for you? Uh, Roberta Duran. Robert, Robert. And, I, and I had the privilege of uh, FaceTiming with him. I was doing the, uh, the Mauritius WBC walk with the president. And uh, he's asked me the same question. Who's your favorite? Duran, Pacquiao, Johnny Tapia, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. And uh, he goes, Duran, I'm going to call him right now. And this was just after I won the, the, the belts. You're going to call him? Yeah, I'm going to FaceTime him. Oh. So I started getting a bit nervous. Obviously, I'm not really, I don't get starstruck by too many, but it's Duran, a guy that I've watched that many fights. So uh, it was cool to, to, to talk to him. And he was campeon, campeon in, uh, in Spanish, which was amazing. Oh, by the way, Roberto Duran was part of that cohort of what they are saying today. Yeah. Lightweight division was back then, back in the, I think it was the 80s, mm. it was like the, Before, an yeah, un- the- unbelievable cohort of fighters in that weight, in, the, in, yeah. in that Roberto Duran's division at the time. With They're Durant. now saying it's equivalent to what you, your yeah. division now. I mean, it, you just haven't won something here. But your it division is. is the strongest division in boxing today. It is the hottest division in the world, and uh, they continue to compare it. You know, you got, Back then, Duran, Hagler, Hearns. Hagler's my favourite. Leonard. Unbelievable group. And, you know, the, the, the best thing about them is they all fought each other. Yeah. They weren't afraid of, of losing. Yeah. They weren't afraid of – and the fans didn't care of, all right, he lost, but he all of a sudden beat him that beat the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? And that's what I said when I was in America to, to a few uh, media outlets. Who cares about the zero? I'll be fighting whoever next. And all of a sudden, they might fight Lopez. Lopez beats him and Lomachenko beats Lopez again. And all of a sudden, we all fight each other. And who knows, I might fight Lopez again. But who cares? Are we going to see great fights, entertaining fights? It's the best thing. What does George Cambos love to do outside of fighting? Like uh, Fishing. <laughs> I love to be on the water and, and fishing. It just takes my mind away from everything. And, uh, you know, you're always on the phone. You're always, you know, uh, throughout the week, you're on the phone and looking at stuff and doing stuff. So when I'm fishing, the phone is in the bag. I'm already going to drop it over the boat. And uh, I'm just there with the rods, just enjoying my time. And I've got one more question for you. But he's sitting over there in the corner. Mm. And he's really been a, a, a good boy. Carlo <laughs> <laughs> He's been quiet. Yeah, he's usually yeah, no, he's he's a a talking. Of, <laughs> but what would you say to that man over there in the corner right now, sitting here? Yeah. Look, what do you want to say to him? I'm just uh, thankful. Proud, and um, I know that these belts, as much as they're mine, they're his. They're both of our belts, so you know it's, it's an honour to to be on this journey together. Yeah, it's so cool, mm. Jimmy. What do you got to say, mate? Mark, to your question, mate. Um, look, we started this together, and no one gave us a chance. And uh, there's been a lot behind the scenes with my. I'm very good mentally. I've driven George mentally, tested him mentally from a young kid and literally wanted to see how he ticks, how he thinks. Is he a quitter? Is he a winner? Is he a guy that wants to basically go to the next level? And that's what he showed me. So I put a lot of energy into George. I focused a lot of my communication skills, my management skills to be able to do that. But to get to where we got to, um, a lot of people ask me this question, how do you feel? I'm just extremely proud of the man he is outside of the ring, uh, what he achieved in the ring um, against pretty much all adversity, a massive underdog. Um, And he's just a very humble man 
who understands who understands that you've got to work hard to achieve, but you also take advice from people behind you who kind of basically uh, lead you in the right direction. You can't just do it all by yourself. I mean, you're a fighter. You've got to train. You've got to fight. But the thing is, when you listen to others, it kind of it gives you more ammunition. It builds your armour to basically go in there with a clear mind to, to, to fight the fight you want to fight. And you asked that question before with the Lopez father. I mean, we went through this, you know, and I said to George, I said, mate, I'm very calculated. I'm very relaxed. I said, they're not. I said, so when you pick him and you basically, you keep tapping away on him, his father is twice a problem. His father will go, how can we put up with this guy? Don't you dare listen to him. Go and knock him out. Go and do this. All of a sudden, not as he got just George Cambosis. He's also got his dad, who's a problem. On our end, I said, mate, we just sit down. We have a look at, you know, what, what's coming, like feedback, if it's, if it's negative, if someone's social media stuff. We had that in the beginning. We had to teach George not to respond to media, uh, social media posts, uh, Instagrams, Facebook. Don't respond. Don't give people any airtime. They're all keyboard warriors. So we've learnt that over time. And for me, it's all about, it's all good. Let's go in as a clear mind. So... Mate, just proud, really proud. And look, there's a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot, a lot of work. I mean, we come off this morning with a massive Zoom call once again with uh, the Americans overseas. Um, we're getting close. We're planning. But when you get to the top, I was asked this question, you guys have had a lot of time to, uh, you know, enjoy yourselves and, and the stardom. I said, to be honest, no. We've literally back into the game of trying to get the next fight happening. So we haven't had this ticket take parades and everything, you know. So uh, I'm just proud of George. Really proud as a son. A father's always proud of their their, their children, um, and I'm just proud of George, um, the little fat kid who always ran last. And I used to sit in the sidelines and watch him. And basically, everyone used to like the other dads are going, "Oh, mate, he's going good. He's going good." I knew it wasn't going. But I used to get in his head and just try to play the little games on his head. I know George touched on it, but I know there's a lot going on in his mind. I just try to teach George maybe to cheat. I said, mate, you last. How about you cut a corner like these kids are doing around the oval? They're all cutting the corners to get first, especially on a football field because it's, it's a rectangle. I said, mate, you go second last. He goes, nah, Dad, because I ain't cheating. I'll be still there at the end of the day. These guys are not going to be there. I've told this story many times. So I was playing on this kid's mind all the time, getting these answers going, good. He wants to be someone. Jimmy, keep doing the things behind the scenes, getting him the right fights. You know, let's travel interstate. Let's travel overseas. Let's do charity. Let's do fundraisers. Let's do meat raffles just for him to be able to get overseas. I mean, he used to, well, he used to ask me questions all the time. Dad, got to go to Russia. Six-week train, uh, sorry, uh, three-week fight camp. How we get there, mate? He says, oh, you got the money? I says, no, I've got the money. He says, how am I going to get there? I said, we'll go and sell, we'll go sell tickets at the pub, meat raffles. He says, all right, you go. You sell it, we'll get the money, and I'll go overseas. I said, no, nah, no one's going to buy nothing off your dad. I says, you turn up. I'll hold the money bag. I'll hold the, the, the tray of meat. You explain to people why you're in a pub on a Friday evening and selling tickets. I said, they'll buy 10. So literally, I had the money. It's not about giving him the money. He won't think about it twice. So I know I'm touching off this. I'm going off a little bit off mark here, but this is about teaching him that if it doesn't come easy, mate, you've got to work hard. You talked about Cherry Harvey and, you know, all the rest of it. And I've heard stories about guys like that where they change their soles on their shoes because the shoes still good on the top. Just change, put new soles on them. Mate, same thing, mate. You want it, you work for it. We got the money for Russia. We, 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 uh, through the ticket sales and through raffles and everything, you went to Russia, mate. You went into a beautiful training camp. It's all about it's not given to you, you earn it. And that's all I did with George all the time. He used to teach him mentally. I'm a sparky by trade. I said, mate, get his hand under the house. We've got to pull some cables. Put him up in the worst end under the house, the lowest point. No, the scary end. The <laughs> worst the point, the darkest <laughs> point. Spider webs, you name it, it's up that end. I'm on the, I'm on the easy end. I'm standing up, basically pushing these cables through. 
comes out. He's covered in dirt, spiders, webs all over him. This kid's only like 14 years old. He says, how good is this, eh? He said, mate, I'll get a van. We'll run a business. He says, this is a shit job. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, guess what? Don't lose focus who you are, what you're doing, and where your end goal is, where your dream lies, world champion. I said, go and get it, mate. I said, because if you lose focus, you're going to be running around with your dad as a trade. As so, I often say, Jimmy, success is built upon the broad shoulders of others. It is. And, and, and your team and, is And I'm not taking nothing away from George. He's the one. He's the fighter. He's done everything. But the thing is, we both had a dream. And I knew that if he's doing the right thing, I'm doing the things behind the scenes. And I'll deal with all the riffraff. I'll deal with the bullshit. I'll deal with the, deal with the contracts. I'll deal with these promoters and these guys that in this business, they all want to basically take what you've got money-wise, financially. It's a gouging business. It's it a dirty is a gouging business. business. Leave it to Jimmy Cambosis. They don't want to do with Jimmy Cambosis. It's bad luck. George, keep proving them wrong. Keep winning every fight. Keep going overseas. Let's keep doing it. And you know what? When you do become the undisputed, or at the time I was only world champion, undisputed was because Lopez had everything. I said, when you do, mate, everyone will come back. Everybody wants to basically be a part of George Cambosis. I said, just don't lose focus who you are, you know, because we had a lot of that adversity. The media, we couldn't get media. Um, you know, we, George said before. Sponsors. Sponsors. We couldn't get big names. Who's that Scottish guy mm-hmm. you got? Uh, you, a guy with an accent rang me once about a sponsorship. Um, yeah, yeah, Clive. Yeah. Clive, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and poor Barcelona, I thought, shit, this is so yeah, bad. George, yeah. is that, you're in Florida or something yeah, at the time, yeah. Miami. I think you can't get a sponsor. The fuck? Like, yeah. And, and it's someone of your ilk. That's the adversity, the, the – the character building where the media didn't want to give me a fair shot. Sponsorships were hard to, to, to get. You know, I'm doing it tough overseas, but it built me strong. It wasn't given to me. I had to earn it. And, you know, even going to school, you know, knowing that you're going to go there, you're going to get bullied, you know, you're going to come last, you're going to be picked last. That's what builds that strength. And just from as a young kid, like my dad touched on, you know, where he tried to push me to cheat. Tried to, uh, you know, see where my mindset was. Really, the mindset was, was very strong at that young age and it's helped me throughout my whole career to get to the top. Even the crossroads in life, you know, we've, you, Mark, you're a businessman. You've seen crossroads. You've, you, you, you've, you've got clients, uh, people that probably reach out to you and say, listen, Mark, I'm, I'm in a crossroads in my business, in my life, uh, financially. George had the crossroads, you know, like you lost all the weight. The fat kid that was last, never cheated. Never cut a corner. All of a sudden, come the pre-season next year, George Cambosis first. Being a dad, proud. This boy, number one now. Rugby league, Ricky Stewart, development squad, the Sharks. Playing, playing uh, boxing on a Friday night. We drive out to out west Richmond, whatever. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, ready for football league in the Cronulla uh, uh, Comp. I says, George, you can't do both. He says, yeah, of course I can. I said, mate. I says, you're going to have to focus on one sport. So anyway, I says, you'll get the crossroads in your life and you'll have to make a decision. He goes, what's that? So I said, mate, you'll figure it out when you get there. So that's what happened. Uh, Sutherland Sharks, basically Ricky Stewart addressing the team. Right out, boys, congratulations. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, rugby league training. So we're driving home. He's got his footy kit. I says, mate, you want to be a footballer? There you go. He says, Dad didn't hear what Ricky said. So what did he say? I knew. He said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mate. I go, what's Monday, Wednesday, Friday? What's the big deal? I said, you always want to be a footballer. He goes, Dad, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he's boxing training. I go, yeah, you're right. We're driving down the highway back home. He says, you know what? I think I figured it out. I said, what did you figure out? He says, the crossroads. I go, what is it? Mm. He goes, I've got to make a decision, don't I? I said, yep. I said, what's it going to be? That was on a Thursday. I said, Monday, you've got to be somewhere. Boxing, rugby league, what's it going to be? I said, no, this, you make the decision. No one helps you. N- not your mum, not your dad, not, not your family, not your uncles. This is purely on you because you can't blame anybody on the decision you made after in life. Come home on Monday. I seen the, the boxing bag was out. Footy bag wasn't around. I said, made the decision? I said, yep. I said, by yourself? Yep. No one helped you? No. All right, what's it going to be? He says, I want to be a fighter. I said, fine. Give me that footy bag. I'm going down to the Oval. 
I'll tell the coach Ricky Stewart and the team that George Cambosis wants to be a fighter. He wants to be a boxer. And that was it. And, 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 and that's basically one point of a sliding door moment, a decision um, based on him, not turn around years later and say, Dad, you told me to do that. I didn't want to do that sport. I wanted to do this sport. No, you make your own decisions in life and you know that you've got to stick by what you've done in life. And if it doesn't work out, well, it was your decision, but unless you had a go at it. You know? Well, that's good fathering. Yeah. I mean, that, that is good fathering. And good parenting, probably more importantly, but allowing the kid to make his own decision mm. at the end of the day, which turned out to be perfect. George Cambosis and Jimmy, I really appreciate you here on Straight Talk. And, mate, all of Australia is behind you, all of Greece is behind you. We want you to keep hold of that stuff, yeah. that silverware, and just keep putting on the good shows, mate. Absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure to chat, and uh, we are going to defend, keep holding these belts. And like I said, these belts are not only mine, but they're the whole of Australia's, the whole of Greece's. They're our belts. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Straight Talk with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. This is a mentored podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 